Um, hello, welcome to uh, episode two, uh, where Dan Hassan, uh, Mary Lychee, and Mix talk about uh, diversity and inclusion work uh, that we've done with some recent conferences. Um, just as a real quick recap, last time I think what we talked about was like why each of us could have got into this work and um, some of the surprises, I guess. Uh, the intention for this episode is to get into uh, some concrete sort of case studies, anonymized, um, to explore like what it was like, what were some of the decisions we made, and like some of the some of the really hard things that came up. Uh, yeah, do you want to say hello, uh, Mary and Dan, and maybe uh, amend anything that I've missed there? Yep. Hi. <laughs> I was like, do I want to go first or Dan? Yep, it's Mary here, Ormanen. Um, Yeah, I'm keen to talk about like certain case studies today. Um, as a general guide, we're not going to be mentioning specific names. Um, so, yeah, it. You can probably tell if you've been following different threads on Scuttlebutt, um, maybe who we're talking about, but it doesn't really matter. I think more it's about the learning process, things that happened. And yeah, I think there's some, I guess, good learnings to come out of, I guess, sharing what we did. Um, yeah. Dan? <laughs> hey, thanks for picking up the mic, uh, Manin. So my name's Dan Hassan, as Mick mentioned, uh, Mick's mentioned. Um, I'm calling in from NAM, um, otherwise known as Melbourne, from so-called um, Australia. And as is protocol on these lands, I'd like to pay my respects to elders, past, present, and future from the Wundri peoples of the Kulin nations, um, and also to extend my respects to... Um, uh, Upper Pacific and Torres Strait Islander and First Nations people on this landmass. And to thank them for um, doing what they needed to do to be here today. Um, so the only thing that I will add to that is uh, the framing for this chat is to focus on getting people to the table. Um, it's a whole other question of what happens once we are all at a table together, which will be the focus of a subsequent chat between the three of us. And my particular role here, given that I had a bit more of a backseat behind the scenes um, role in the work that we're going to be talking about, is to um, uh, act as a, a person who, or a peer who's asking clarifying questions um, that might arise uh, as a peer is listening to this. Um, so you might not hear a lot of me, maybe, maybe not, but for the most part, I think it's going to be um, Menin and Mick sharing their learnings. Great. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Menin. Um, I think I'd like to dive us straight into some of these case studies. We've got like sort of four sorts of stories that we would like to tell. Um, yeah, so the first one uh we're starting off with like the sort of easy end of the spectrum uh and we've got like three three people in mind that we were t um talking about before this call uh <clears throat> and f my own summary of it was that they were they were easy yeses um 
they were easy to say yes to because um, for a range of reasons that they, they sort of fit into the categories of people who we were thinking about that we wanted to support to be able to attend DWebCamp. And uh, the their needs were like relatively small. So it might have been something like they, they might need $400 to cover a ticket or $500 for a plane ride that was relatively short. Um, there was also also might have been easy because uh, in one case we had uh, we were coming towards the end of our diversity and inclusion work and it was it wasn't clear how much money we would have at that point but um, happily we had um, four or five hundred dollars and a person a person's name came up and we were able to just allocate the, f- the final amount of money to them um, Manan, would there be anything else you'd you want to add about those sort of easy yes cases? Um, yeah, I think a lot of them kind of came out of um, us starting to be transparent with what we were doing, posting about it, and then I guess some people, a few of them were like they were reaching out going, hey, I see what you're doing, maybe you could help me out. So it was, I guess, part of kind of like just I think um we have this sum of money we're in the process of like talking through several like engaging with several people to see like where they're at um whether they can come and we kind of like maybe these amount of people can come maybe not maybe yes and 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 so it was like quite refreshing when people like definitely I can come I need this x amount is it possible and we're like heck yes thanks for reaching out so um i think that was kind of the process going on in our minds going like thanks it, it, sometimes yeah um it's it's good to be like to to have clarity on and the the i guess what we called the easy yes <laughs> like definitely yes we can help out um and um that that sort of was uh intersecting with some of the other parallel diversity inclusion work going on um, with the other kind of teams out there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Dan, did you have any follow-up questions or should we move on to our second case? Um, You go ahead. Um, We can build up some flow. There's going to be questions consistent to everyone. So in the back of your mind, I was just going to ask um, around the complexities of even getting folks funding but we can maybe wrap that up at the end of all the case studies <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yes yeah all right so um the next case study was uh was a little bit trickier so um i i'd originally uh sent out a communication to this person i was um aware that they might be interested in coming and uh i just I, d- I didn't hear any. I didn't hear anything back, um, so that was like the first challenge. Uh, I was didn't know if I'd perhaps asked in an insensitive way, or maybe the person just hadn't checked their email, or maybe I had the wrong uh, email address or something like that. So um, I think my next step was to contact uh, a person who knew both me and the person I was trying to contact. We're going to call them the bridge for this for this um, case study. So I contacted the bridge and said, 
hey, would, would this person be interested in coming? We have some diversity and inclusion funds, uh, scholarships. And the bridge uh, initially said, uh, no, no, I think it's it's too hard for them. Um, there's, yeah. And, and I think what was, the reason we wanted to tell the story was that um, I, <laughs> I was I was quite keen to hang out with that person and for them to be able to attend. Right. Um, and this was like part of the whole, like, let's strengthen connections between people we know. And, that's yeah. right, yeah. <clears throat> and um, so so I, I proceeded to um, keep asking. <laughs> keep, I sent a follow-up communication to this person and I sent – a bunch of follow-up communications to the bridge saying like, okay, I realize it might be hard, but like, what might it take? Um, what might it take for them to get there? You know, like if, if it's not enough for us to cover some of their transport and their ticket, like what, what else do they need? Cause I just didn't, I didn't know. And um, I think what was really delightful is behind the scenes, some of that conversation helped um, help challenge uh, people's assumptions. The person who I'd invited and and the bridge both both of their assumptions about um, what what might be possible. Um, I can't I can't quite remember what I did, but I've, I guess I've got feedback from them that I um, that asking these questions and persisting helped, and, and inviting them to to just ask for what they needed changed changed the conception of the problem and and so they um they the the bridge did quite a bunch of work to to, i think to do some sort of research about what it might cost and to also um advocate for this person about what what their actual needs might be which were actually fairly significant in terms of um some of the some of the costs that they might need covered to be able to attend. Um, and um, happily, uh, we were able to meet those needs. Um, some of the details I'm gonna, of that I'm leaving out to, to keep it more anonymous. Um, yeah. Manon, was there anything that you'd add to that case? Or? Yeah, I guess that was kind of like one of the examples where this, this is like part of, I guess several instances within Scuttlebutt where we're we're pulling together as a community to raise funds and kind of going, hey, this is really important and being really visible about it. And I think this is about the time that there's several threads that we posted about what we're doing, um, kind of how much money that is needed or how we've how much money that we've raised or been given already, and kind of the intentions that we want to uh, kind of set out and doing this um and I think I just was like okay mix you do that I trust you and then like I was on a different tangent of like reaching out to different groups at that moment as well so it was like interesting to hear um I guess what uh you were doing <laughs> um uh I think there was a good balance of like I trust you to reach out to this person and I'm going to reach out to these other three people and I think yeah I think I would agree with you like I, with my, um, you know, the few people that I was reaching out to, it did take like, hey, like reaching out a few times and going, hey, um, 
this is what we're about. Oh, by the way, reminder. And and, and it's kind of hard because I think a lot of the times, like, there's this ambiguous event that's in like a few weeks slash a month's time. It's kind of like, why should I care? I think uh, it, if people don't have the context of like, um, you know, w- what we want to do there. And yeah, there is the whole thing that's like, um, if that person is usually not, has never gone to these kind of events. And in particular, I was kind of like, oh, I don't even know. I want to go. And you're like, no, it's definitely not going to be all dudes in tech. Like, trust me, we can change it. You can be the, you know, part of like having, we can do tea ceremonies. I think you were trying to convince me like, like having tea parties and stuff. And it, it just kind of starting imagining, okay, what would, how can it be different? So I like appreciate your effort in encouraging that kind of thinking and being really supportive that's just as important as like the logistical like um you know how do we send the money (laughs) yeah Mm, yeah one of the observations that i have in i guess we could call this one like the village the village approach or um, case study a Mm -hmm. is the uh there are risks involved. So I imagine from your end, Mix, one of the risks is um, th- the risk of when you hear a no, just accepting the no, um, is that there is actually um, unthought of possibilities that would actually enable um, enable there to be a yes. But then the risk you're taking as kind of um, a, a, like a tech person slash like a guy in tech slash a, a white guy in tech is that um it's an unwelcome um push of like i just want to acknowledge that that is a risk mm. Mm. that you took in that scenario um and it could play out differently at different times and that's part of like the nuance and complexity of this stuff is that when we're trying to bridge differences um it's kind of risky on all all sides in in some senses um, and then a, another observation is in the village approach. One of the reasons why um, diversity in it, in the act of trying to make things more inclusive in and of itself is such a um, gives you so much added value. Like that was definitely sounded like it was a team effort where there was multiple perspectives. Like lots of different viewpoints being brought into it and approaches which kind of um, t- together was greater than the some some of its parts were greater than the individual parts I've forgotten that phrase um, <laughs> yeah um, that's a super interesting case study yeah you're totally right about the risks uh, um, one of the dynamics I, I found emerging was um, so it was pretty apparent that uh, from early on that the, the this person's capacity who I was trying to support to get to dweb was very limited very limited to the point where like um, finding out if they were keen was hard and let alone details about how much they might need and so like what one of the tensions I was really wrestling with was um, it's not like this case study was in isolation uh, so we were having, I was having this conversation with this bridge and this person um, at the same time as Mary was having other conversations. And, you know, we had like eight to 15 different conversations on the go. Yeah. And e- each of these is um, fluctuating, unknown, 
quantities. And so my ability to say yes or even conscionably start new conversations and make commitments about what I could offer was dependent on um, how much this person might need. And so there was this sense of like, well, once I've started the conversation and I, I kind of can't walk away unless I walk away very, very clearly. Um, and I found myself um, in a position where I, I had needs to have more clarity about like what the state of the thing was. And so that sometimes I was pushing the bridge for information um, and that felt bad because it's kind of like counter to the <laughs> counter to the vibe of what you're trying to do. I don't want to add work and stress people the hell out um, and trying to help them. But I also can't afford to. Um, I, I think this is where like the time constraint thing really came in. Yeah. It's like because we were working. Dynamic. I remember you were like really pushing hard to be like, yes, let's find some definites, like kind of find some concreteness to like. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh. Why so pushy? But also, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. So we were at this point. We might have been like a month and a half out from the event, and looking at the price of flights, and they're fluctuating. And yeah, um, yeah. And so, so I get. But I think one of the things. So yeah, interesting to notice how the distance from the event changes the nature of the conversation and the urgency and and the and the tone and the. Mm. Um, um, and also great to notice that um, while it was uncomfortable for me to be pushing on someone for some clarity, I was pushing on the bridge who was not as marginalized or vulnerable. And so while it didn't feel good, it felt good that I wasn't trying to do that with this person who right. was obviously um, yeah, yeah. already at capacity. Don't, don't do that, kids. That's, that, that shit's bad for your health. <laughs> so, I feel like that was the gate opposite case with um um trying to work with um the Cuba case case study. Yeah. <laughs> that was really think, stressful. But they were I good think we support. Should, but yeah, we can before we that. move move on to that one, I just want to there's an observation here that is I wonder if not that you can quantify it, but just in terms of um a feeling of the extent to which in this work, you're able to extend access to folks who, um, across big differences um, in terms of um, uh, access, um, uh, my language is gone here, but in terms of the greater your blind spots that you have, and the bigger the differences where you can't comprehend other people's life situations and barriers to access, yeah. if you're able to bridge those differences as a community, it's an indicator of the health of the diversity of the community because being able to, um, uh, yeah, like not, it requires, yeah, it requires a, a lot of, people with different experiences to be able to help translate across those differences so maybe if you're in this work and you're really struggling to um open up to folks who aren't uh, making up the majority or status quo of your ecosystem that in itself tells you a story about um the fact that there's more work to be done and if you're pulling in 
really vastly different people, then that's a good sign that um, the ecosystem you're in is like where its priorities, values, efforts um, are, is in moving in the right direction um, in terms of the work that you're putting in. But yeah, thank you both. That was really a, 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 a juicy case study. Yeah. yeah, I think there's um, I th I think what you're saying, Dan, is really good. Um, I think there's like a, a parallel or like thread or a corollary, which is that um, to like watch for when you're overextending your reach. Like in this work, I think it's really dangerous to overextend. Like if if that bridge hadn't been there mm. and I'd pushed, then there would have it would have been damaging. Um, I. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would have damaged relationships and I would have um probably stressed someone out. Um Yeah, and also and it's not and I, I, th I think we went sorry, sorry Minan. Um uh really quickly, I think we we had some of that intention going into this. We deliberately um didn't seek out to connect with um First Nation First Nations people in North America because Minan and I didn't have personal connections into that space um yeah so it feels kind of some of that sorry carry on Mina. yeah and related to that is like i'm noticing that it's not just putting people who are like under the category of diverse into a new environment to like kind of like yeah inoculate diversity it, it, yes that intention is like we mean well but it doesn't actually always make the environment better or quote-unquote more diverse and can be really um, actually unsafe for the initial individuals who get there and go, whoa, there's a lot of work that needs to be going, like done. And um, just like putting diverse people, you know, in the apex of institutions or putting in the power structures or into certain environments and going, hey, let's change things. Like it, it has to, I think it really does have to be like, are we questioning the whole systems of thing? Are we, are we, I don't know, like I have I have a lot of, I guess, new perspectives coming out of this that I'm like, yes, this work is really important. And then what happens when we bring them into space? Maybe we talk about in the next <laughs> next Last episode. One. But um, that's just something there's, that I want to There's a tension. I, can, I understand why you're bringing up, and then because although this chat's about bringing people to the table, everything that you've just spoken about, which we'll talk about in a future episode, is exactly the type of stuff which is on people's minds. It's like, okay, mm. the work of getting people to the table it is in part, in part of it is like, folks are like, what the hell is going to happen to me when I get to this table? Like, yeah. is this <laughs> some type of cannibalistic, uh, cannibal style feast? Blah. Um, anyway, sorry, that went weird for a moment. But yeah, I can see why it's, it's difficult, although we're separating this conversation into getting to the table and then what happens when you're at the table. That's kind of an abstract kind of uh, difficult thing to pull apart because it doesn't quite happen in that linear way. Yeah. Maybe in a time gonna, scale, but anyways. <laughs> but yeah. I know I'm going to move us um, into our next case study, uh, which Minhan already referenced was um, the, Cuba, the Cuba case study. Uh, do you want to tell us that story and maybe I'll um, chip in or um, add things on the end? Yeah. I guess, well, I first kind of was aware that, hey, there's these people that you're talking to with on Twitter, I think, Mix, um, where you're like, we've got this thing going on and 
it was a very brief mis- message, but I got the vibe that they were like, yeah, really interested, but it kind of was, kind of just was hanging there as a message, as a tweet. <laughs> that was my vibe. And I was like, mix, you know, what do you feel about this? And I think at that moment you're like, yeah, it could work, but it seems like a lot of work or something. I know. What was your take? Yeah. So, so this is, I was coming to this from doing some of this work around Scuttle Camp 1 and um, I'd had work trying to get someone from, I, I think it was Nepal to, to New Zealand and had a lot of like challenges with uh, how big, how big uh, a task that was given the time frame, uh, mainly because of visas. And so I was wondering about like what the, how the visa thing might pan out. And also um, we didn't necessarily know the people that well yet. Um, yeah. So I, I was like, mm, not sure. Um, and uh, Manin said, I'm pretty keen to, I'm pretty keen to give it a go. And I said, okay, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm keen to, I'm keen to support you if you're going to, if you're going to take that on. Um, and yeah, maybe you can carry on. Yeah. So like, I think I, I messaged them on Twitter and then I direct messaged them on Twitter. Then we were like, let's, let's kind of talk more about this. So there was a series of emails and then I, they have this whole group on WhatsApp. So I just joined this whole group and suddenly I was using Google translate to kind of like communicate, like what was going on with this group of people who like, um, they hold, like their own, I think it's like their own kind of hacker space kind of co, like kind of like the space that you have in um, New Zealand. But yeah, they, they, they're they running their own little group on Scuttlebutt using a really interesting context with what's going on in Cuba. And I'm like, whoa, this is really relevant. You guys would super like probably find like D-Web really valuable and connecting with other people. So we like kind of agreed there was two people who were said they were interested. So we're like, okay, let's set aside this amount of money and have a shot at, you know, doing, checking out, ticking the boxes of all, like getting the lists of what needs to be done and like going through step by step. And when we broke it down, we're like, whoa, there's kind of like this limited time that we kind of need to do everything. And it relies on a lot of different variables. And as we progressed, kind of new variables popped up. <laughs> so the first, do you want to tell us? Yeah. So the do first, you want to tell us about what they were? Yeah, definitely. So the first one's like, okay, let's the visa process, and part of it's like, how do you establish like this person is legit and is coming here for a legit reason for this event? Um, if the I think the challenge is some of them didn't have like. Um, like secure jobs that are like you know, this is my employer X Y Z, you know, or they might do have another flexible working arrangement. But then anything, I think what I realize, if you're just already from a country that's not America right now, they're just like you're sus. Like who are you? <laughs> are you trying to like um get into the country for some random reason and? I remember even when I went out there, I got a bit of that. And so this person, we these two people from this Cuba instance, we got them to go, okay, what, what do you need? Um, maybe a letter of recommendation from, um, you know, the D-Web organizers with help. 
so even that back and forth a few times was like over a couple of weeks of like refining a letter of invitation and um yeah that that was actually really nice of the organizers at dweb to organize that and um i was supporting i guess i was a bridge in this case and uh that included like me anything from me like helping the communications to like helping uh make the draft of that letter more applicable or more suitable to their case and like getting the right passport details or name um and i think by that time we were that was a few weeks in and we were getting quite close to the event um and maybe like three weeks out from the event or something yeah so i was like oh shoot we only have a letter (laughs) we haven't even started the process of visas so what was the the were suggesting was okay let's do a like expedited visa process so that required some extra fees not too much though nothing i think what was challenging in in their case was like they couldn't apply for a visa within cuba at the moment not really sure why i think it might be just a government thing so maybe they just don't have a consulate in Cuba, which wouldn't surprise me at all, right? But th- this was all news to us. Yeah, this is things you find out kind of during it and you're like, oh, okay, so we have to help organize flights from Cuba out to Guyana and then um, start the visa process there. And you're like, oh, okay. So, um, so we're already paying for international flights for people um, to be even able to see if they can come. Yeah, um, and I think that's when I realized, it- like, it, there is – you know, we have these expectations of like, oh, come on, let's, you know, do these diversity inclusion things. And then there are lots of hoops that people have to jump through, extra, extra hoops, you know, depending on where they're coming from. And, um, you know, what it, there's like certain privileges that we don't even expect to have to undergo if, you, if you're not like me growing up in Australia. Like you, even like, I know where your passport is or where you you have certain, I guess, biases to, okay, yeah, you sound like a legit person, you can come here. Um, like if you're from Australia, you have like a 90-day, uh, um, pretty much like you can easily go into America fairly easily. So like there was all these things that were kind of coming out and I was like, okay, right, let's, let's uh, I got to organize your flights. So these are the things that I – was like okay, I'm keen to let's let's power through because we're already in this process. Um, yeah, and and um, it's currently quite difficult to send money to Cuba, so I it makes a lot more sense for me to be organizing the flights and organizing the accommodation. Um, yeah, so that was. That was a so bit you of get into this work and then yeah. you become a like travel agent slash like legal aid slash researcher of visas slash yes it, it requires like a, like a a deep like uh, being very methodically planned out and then there's just yeah that could take up a whole episode in its own right its own. so it actually became like for a few days I was like probably just researching like felt like a full-time gig because I was like oh my goodness I don't want to mess this up 
I really like I've really put in so much effort so far. I really want this to work out for them. Um, and you know, they pay, they place those two people are placing a lot of trust on me too. Um, halfway through the situation, I think one of them said they can't make it because there's something wrong with their passport. So it expires too close to, um, the application date for the visa like it has to be like a six months difference or something all these kind of variables kind of start popping up and you're like okay all right is there someone else from your group that wants to so then we're adding another like <laughs> visa like like a letter of invitation for this other guy from cuba and they're like no and it's too soon anyways um the one of the big things that i think that i was like quite you know at the time quite regretful for and stressed for that was like when they got to Guyana, they're like, oh, by the way, I don't have enough funds. Can you support, you know, um, a few days accommodation? And I think we had talked a bit about that a few weeks ago, but like some of it was like down to the last couple of minutes where they're like, oh, suddenly they said we have an interview, but that means I need to go right now because the interview is tomorrow or something. Like it was literally uh, like – what like and I'm like up at in the middle of the night going holy moly congrats but also what we have to get you there in like um what is it like 10 hours or something can you order a flight like maybe it wasn't that 10 hours maybe it was like 12 hours but then we're like okay you need a flight takes like six hours or something and how long does a taxi get can we just order a flight right now so I think a lot of it was like quite um unexpectedly stressful considering the constraints that um I realize we were in that makes sense um and I think it required I think a lot of me putting the extra like emotional and technical labor of going okay what situation are you in and needing to accommodate for the unique challenge of that situation Uh, I don't know if I'm making sense Mm. yeah Mm. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember. Um, this started to have like echoes of the experience with the person I was trying to support getting a visa to get to Scuttle Camp One, um, which, which was a bummer that it was like I could see it playing out again. <clears throat> um, and I, I remember um, as we got closer to the event, I was starting to push Manin saying. Man, we need to we need to put like some boundaries in place. I I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. Um, uh, like I I can't personally afford to be getting um, super involved, super stressed, uh, in some la- like last minute planning. Personally, my boundary is at two weeks out. If it's not clear, I'm going to have to start um, not focusing on 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 this particular Cuba um, person to support. <clears throat> um, what do you want to do at that point? Can I support you to set a good boundary around that? And you were just starting to st- starting into your own international travel towards North America, and said, "I'm happy to take this on." Um, and so I'm glad we had that conversation. And I also remember th- there being a point where I was catching up with you, and you said. I'm trying to get money to a person who's in Guyana. It's starting to get dark there. They need a place to stay. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is, this is super intense. Um, 
you know, everything's going through my mind from like, I have no idea what Guyana's like. Is that a safe place? Like what, what's that city? And to like, is this, is this person just, are they even in Guyana? Like we don't know them that well. They might be just asking for us to send them hundreds of dollars. Um, I didn't know that you'd book them flights. Um, I guess I, no, I knew you'd booked flights, but I didn't know about the details about how that had happened. Um, yeah, I think the stressful also, thing was like, like I thought I had sent a, a amount of money and had gone through, but yeah, the sending money part is also challenging right now yeah. <laughs> because Australia apparently, yeah, international money transfers to different countries are like have a lot of yeah. restrictions. So I was also looking at, into like, could I just could I do like calling Western Union to see what it would take? And they were, we, we were just getting conflicting messages like, yeah, it could be there within an hour. And then other people being like, oh, no, that's not really how it works. Um, yeah, I think the challenging things was like a lot of times I was doing for the first time, I felt like you were like, Mary, you take the lead on this. So I kind of felt like, okay, a lot of responsibility to shoulder as an individual and then the time constraint. So I was like organizing their flight whilst trying to check in to my flight. Um, and I'll go, okay, I've got like this bit of time. Let's try to like sort this out. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting, I think one of the main thing is, is like, okay, when we're thinking about diversity inclusion, you know, why are we organizing event in a place that's probably really hard and accessible for most people from like diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. to get to? That makes sense. And I think that was brought up by multiple people um, yeah. at, at, at the actual D-Web camp. Yeah. Um, just a quick time check. So I know we're coming up to the 40-minute limit and there's one final case study, but I'm, I'm hearing that there's, uh, there'll be common themes around the, the pragmatic logistics of um, making stuff accessible, which sounds like it could be a conversation completely in its own so I'm right. Do we have time to go to case study C? Yeah, I'd really Feel like free to. free to ignore um, me. Um, yeah, yeah. If, <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Dan. Um, so I, I guess I'd just like to wrap up case study B by saying that um, the person from Cuba didn't make it. Um, and we still spent um, most of the money we were going to spend anyway because getting to Guyana and back and supporting them to be safe was a strong commitment of ours. Um, yeah, basically their visa got denied because I mm. think the government was like, oh, we can't. You look sketchy. Yeah. We can't guarantee you're not going to be become an illegal immigrant. Right, um, which is like, oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we did everything we could. We had a letter of invitation um, from, like, D-Web organisers. I don't know. Like, I think there's, yeah. It, it also is reflective yeah. of the current kind of political climate of America at the moment, maybe. There's not so. a heap you can do about a super uh, racist government, frankly, um, throwing a spanner in the works. Mm. So I'm going to run us really, really quickly um, through case study C because uh, I think it's a useful bridge to the to a uh, potential subsequent episode we do um so this person i um uh was someone who i reached out to and uh initially they said ah oh, no i'm not going to um i'm not going to do web camp and um 
I can't remember how, but they agreed to have a call with me uh, just to talk about it. Um, and that, that call surfaced uh, a bunch of really interesting things. They, this person said that they'd been to a, an internet archive like uh, D-Web Summit uh, previously and that they'd, um, that they'd found it to be uh, full of uh, engineers. It was like a bunch of dudes, uh, engineers. So doing good stuff, cool stuff, but um, maybe not a vibe that they were so interested in. Um, I asked this person, I talked with this person a bit more about like wh what, what it would take for them to be interested to come, like what would make it feel possible in terms of um, flights and travel support um, and tickets. And, uh, and they came back to me and said, um, uh, I can't remember what it, it was, maybe like 3000 US dollars. And I was like, wow, okay, that's quite a lot of our budget. Um, uh, and, but that was like a reflection of something that the D-Web team were running in terms of scholarships, which is like a pretty meaty stipend, which is pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> and so we talked about this a little bit more in the conversation. And um, one of the things they raised was that, uh, th that this person would, you know, stretch and like reduce those that amount if it was sort of like an activist event. Um, but if it was just a sort of uh, engineer, tech engineering sort of, event uh yeah three thousand dollars would be the price uh and i i was personally like shocked and confronted by that uh because i identify as an activist and i wanted this to be an activist event and here was someone who was definitely an activist telling me that they didn't feel like it was <laughs> that it was um to be fair we did have that one microsoft guy the, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, hey, yeah. come to Microsoft. But that's a story we can go yeah. into next time. Yeah. And um, yeah, so but we we had like a lot more conversation, and um, I think I I talked to them about like what our values were, why we were doing the scholarship work, and really impressed on them that I wasn't look, I wasn't trying to extract something that I wasn't wanting some reciprocal relationship where they would turn up as a, as a token uh, X type of person um, and then be expected to run a workshop on X thing um, that really, that this was about wanting to enable them, give them connect, like possibility to connect, give them a possibility to just attend and do more of what they're already doing or whatever they want, because they're already doing awesome things. And that really changed the conversation for them. Um, and s subsequently, like we talked about uh, a lower amount for them to be able to attend and they came and had a good time. And, and they still had some crit criticisms about it being like, uh, not, not, not perfect on a sort of diversity and inclusion front, but they were, they felt it was, uh, 10 times better than uh, the previous event. And it was thanks to, I guess, some of the work we did, but also a bunch of the work that the organizers had done as well. Um, any any follow-ups on that before we start moving to close? Um, I think, There's... yeah, I think, yeah. In general, I think a lot of people were hesitant based on the previous years I heard where it was quite corporate or like indoors, but in general, 
we'll go into the next episode and we'll we'll detail like how I think maybe it was more a campy outdoors vibe and um both how it was better but also you know we, it, there's still kind of systemic things that I think are uh issues with all kind of techie stuff but um yeah I'm looking at the time now so and it's was there something you wanted to say Dan? Just uh, we can chat about this in the next um, episode, but there's also this theme around um, uh, thresholds. So people not wanting to come based on a conception of how it will be. And uh, there was also a pattern with um, Scuttle Camp 1, I know, where quite a number of folks were considering not going because of what they thought it would be like. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But then this also ties into um, the next conversation. So I guess we can unpack that more there because we're coming up to 45 minutes. So maybe it's time to listen to some excellent music. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, thanks both. This has been like a really, really excellent conversation and um, hope to catch everyone on the next Local Gossip on Diversity and Inclusion. (laughs) Thanks, thanks. (laughs) See everyone.